Good morning. It's good to be with you here this morning. After so long, um, I'm not even sure when the last Sunday morning was that we have been in Limerick Chapel. It's been quite a while with all that's going on, and we just really want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I want to especially thank you for the privilege of being able to represent you in you all in Scotland, uh, extending the gospel and church planting there in a town called Kamarnock, Scotland, and I bring greetings from Ayrshire Bible Church, which is the, the church that we're working on right now and working with, and the folks have already met this morning. And uh, I know that they all continue to send greetings and continue to uh, thank you all for allowing us to be there and allowing us to be able to work with them there and praying for us and supporting us through these years, all the way from South Africa to now in Scotland. Just thank you so much for that privilege of being able to serve you and represent you there. Uh, This morning, I just, um, as I was thinking about what to encourage you with, and after hearing more of what was said, I think what the scripture we're going to go to should be a good encouragement to you, especially facing the month ahead, which I didn't even know anything about, uh, not being from here. I don't get involved too much of the politics of America. I have enough problems in Scotland. But um, I was just thinking about that, and this week we had the opportunity to, to do something special. Uh, My brother-in-law actually has a boat down on the Chesapeake Bay, and we were able to go down to Annapolis by boat on the Chesapeake Bay this week and sit in the water and have the Blue Angels do a whole exhibition flight over top of us. And if you're interested in anything like that, you can see Av, she has some pictures. Um, But literally these planes flying right on top of our boat, um, it was just quite an amazing experience and privilege. And it really made me think about, as we were there and we were talking about different things and talking about how that's kind of part of a recruiting strategy, you know, for the Air Force and the mission that they're all about, uh, it made me think about something to do with what I wanted to share with you this morning and the mission that we actually have. Um, And as I was there thinking, wow, you know, there's different responses people could give to that, right? Watching these planes and a lot of young people or even some older guys maybe is like, Oh, man, I'd love to do that. I could do that. I know I could do that. That'd be great. I should go do that. And then the rest of us would be sitting there going like, that's really cool. I really wish I could do it, but I can't. I don't have 20-20 vision. You know, I I could never sign up and fly jets and things like that because I have had bad eyes my whole life. Um, So my limitations prevent me from actually going on the mission that they're... they're, um, representing there. And as I thought about that and thought about this text this morning, what I'd like to take you to is a text in 2 Corinthians, if you want to turn your Bibles there. Um, We actually just finished up teaching through 2 Corinthians at Ayrshire Bible Church just before we left back in March um, to come to the States. And the, the, the last text the last verse that we actually memorized as a church and worked on memorizing to really have was really a a very key summary text that Paul gives in this letter uh, to the church in Corinth. And that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, verses 9 and 10 is what we're going to actually be looking at this morning. And thinking about 
responses to missions, responses to calls. Um, I wonder about you today. And really, what you think about God's mission that he has for you. Here we have the Apostle Paul, just a very brief um, and, and trying to keep it short and sweet as far as the context. This letter of 2 Corinthians, I don't know when the last time you read it or if you've studied through it, but I'd encourage you to do so because this is a letter where Paul was really working out the whole reconciliation with the church in Corinth. After all kinds of nightmares, okay? He had, there were false teachers, there were people that came in and accused him of all kinds of things, and you know we're not going to get into any details, but... He was really being discredited and worked on, and there was this division that was going on in the church that he had to deal with. And all the way through 2 Corinthians, if nothing else, as you read that, I'd like to encourage you to think about what Paul really keeps presenting in there. It's not about him or the church. It's always about Christ and the gospel. And what was happening with all the destruction that was going on and all these false teachers they were basically just trying to discredit Paul, and his concern was that the people didn't miss out on that would then discredit his message, which would then be against the gospel and against Christ. And that was his biggest concern, always pointing back to it's all about Christ. It's about the gospel. It's about keeping that straight, not letting others confuse that and twist it. And we face that in the world today, don't we? Lots of people. People claim to be Christians. People claim to be in church, and they're causing all kinds of confusion, and what's happening is the, the gospel's being distorted. And so Paul was dealing with that, and he was working through that, and he talked to them, and he gave all his, in the end of the day, he gave out all his credentials, even, if he, even as he keeps saying, I don't want to do this, I feel like a fool doing this, because I'm not bragging, I'm just giving my credentials, I'm laying out what I have for you. But I'm doing that so that you actually get back to thinking straight and thinking clearly on the gospel and what Christ has done for you and what you have. And the message that God gave me to deliver to you, which was his mission that God had assigned him to. And we come all the way through there and come down to chapter 12 in the letter where Paul really shares here the reality of with all of his credentials and all the Lord had shown him everything that God had poured out into his life to be able to deliver the gospel, that he was very alert to the fact that he had major infirmities. He had infirmities and things happening to him and things that Satan were trying to use to to basically smash him down and get him to quit, as it were, but that really actually humbled him and helped him think in real terms about himself as God's servant. Not beating up on himself, but at the same time not thinking more highly of himself than he ought to. And we all need to be there, don't we? And sometimes we fall on both either side. Sometimes we fall on the side of, we're not worth it, we beat up ourselves, we can't really serve God because I'm just, you know, I'm too much of a mess. And, you know, we get beaten down with all this junk that's thrown at us, like Paul had. Or at the other side, we think, well, I can do this. I'm great. You know, I can serve God. I've got all kinds of abilities. I can, you know, people are are encouraging me all the time to get out there and do it. So we have both sides, and we need to remember that it's in humility that we 
work out our mission that God's given to us. Each one of us, each one of you as believers here this morning, have a mission. That mission is to make disciples. To share the gospel, the truth, with everyone you have opportunity to. To continue working at making disciples. We all have that mission. And the fact is, what I'd like us to really consider this morning is that God actually uses faulty vessels. I could never join the Air Force and fly those jets those guys were flying because I, had, I didn't have 20-20 vision. Lots of other reasons and things that limit us, isn't it? And yet, God uses each and every one of us exactly where we are. Faulty, damaged, weak, struggling. And that's what the Apostle Paul, I believe, here wanted to leave with the church in Corinth. As he was reconciling, there were still a few people outstanding that weren't sure on the fence. But he wanted to make sure that they understood that God uses us exactly how we are with all of our faults, with all of our shortcomings, with all the damage that we've incurred or received. And he uses us because it's all about him and it's what he does. And this morning, we want to look at this text and basically look at, think about the mission that we each have. Sometimes we can study the Bible and we can read about guys like the Apostle Paul and we're, we kind of focus our thinking on him and get our head knowledge down. It's like, oh, well, that's exactly what God did for him and that's what God provided for him. Uh, you know, that's not me. I'm not the Apostle Paul. Um, I relate to that a little bit more because you all sent me out to South Africa and now Scotland as one sent out to be able to deliver the gospel. So I have that connection. You're here. You may not think that way. But you know what? This is God's word to all of us. And even the way the Apostle Paul presented this here, he makes sure that we all understand that it's for all of us to understand what God has for us, that he uses us in our condition. He wants to use us to serve him, and he provides the way. There are basically two facts, two truths that we're gonna, that we need to hang on to as faulty vessels serving God. Two truths that Paul gives us here that we really need to hang on to and come to grips with as we go out and serve him and take care of our mission that he's given for us today. Let's just read 2 Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. It says here in the New King James Version, it says, He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's just bow forward of prayer as we consider these few words that Paul left the church in Corinth with and God left these for us to learn from in his word. Dear Father, we just thank you again for your truth. We thank you for men like the Apostle Paul that you used for your glory, that you used to even give us an example to follow, to learn from. And I just pray that we would all be encouraged this morning to go out from this place 
continuing to fulfill the mission that you have for us in spreading the gospel, the good news of Christ, to everyone that we meet up with. And I just pray that we would be doing it in full confidence in you, not in ourselves. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our first, our first commandment, which we've already heard this morning, as Pastor shared with us, the first and biggest responsibility we have is to love God with all of our hearts, souls, and minds. Is to love God, to get to know him. How do we do that? Through his word, studying his word, learning everything we can, so that we can then go out and fulfill the mission that he has for us. And there's two, two truths here that I'd like us to really consider in the short time we have this morning that Paul left us with. And this is truths that he got as an answer to prayer. He was praying and praying and praying that God would take away this quote-unquote thorn in the flesh, whatever that was. Uh, we're not going to debate that and discuss it. And he leaves it wide open, which I think for good reason. Because we all have, we all can relate to some kind of thorn in the flesh, can't we? in the mission God has for us. And I think that's, that's good for us to remember. It's not just Paul and God working in Paul. But he's been praying about getting rid of that and at the same time realizing that God had that in his life, accepting that it was there to humble him, to help him, to full, have full confidence in God and in God alone. And God himself said to him, first of all, the first truth God says to him is that my grace is sufficient for you. So as we serve God as this faulty vessel, we recognize and have to acknowledge and remember God's grace. Simple, we hear it all the time, right? And yet, this verse is a good one to memorize so that you don't forget, especially heading into the week ahead. God's grace is what we're actually receiving, and then sharing an offering. That's why we're spreading the gospel, because of God's grace. That's why we're being gracious. That's why we're being loving to all those around us, no matter what stripe they are, no matter where they're coming from. God's grace is sufficient for you, was the message that Paul received from the Lord himself. And this is really an ever-flowing supply. An ever-flowing supply. It's always available. You always have the grace you need. You're never, you're never lacking from God's grace. As you walk with him, as you repent of your sin, as you confess to him, as you continue to walk in fellowship with him, you have his grace to do everything you need to do, everything that he has for you to do, no matter how you feel, no matter what you look like, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter how much you're being beat up, you have that. And that's what God's reminding Paul of what he's going through. We start out, it's, it's by grace that we're saved, right? We start out, if you're a believer here this morning, you've been saved by grace. Most of us know the, the text that Ephesians 2, 8 to, not, to 10, it says, by grace you've been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Ten, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Right there, we already hear that we have a job, we have a mission, don't we? We're supposed to be doing what God's done for us. Now, through saving us, he also is pouring out his grace 
to accomplish the task that he's given to us. Don't forget that. It's not, it's not about me working all this out and figuring it all out. It's me depending on God's grace in, his li- in my life and the grace that he, he gives me no matter what I face, no matter what that may be. And if you're here this morning and, and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you're still not sure about this grace that God's offered to you and the fact that you just need to believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is and he's done exactly what he says he's done for you and that you as a sinner need to turn to him and trust in him as your savior and follow him. Um, you need to talk to one of us. Come talk to me, talk to pastor, one of the pastors, elders, somebody you came with. Help, let us sit down with you and show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you've received that initial grace of salvation that God has given you. The rest of us, we're talking about continued grace. A um, couple just different texts quickly. Uh, we don't have to develop this too much, but just to remind us, not only Paul was talking about this grace being sufficient, 1 Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You see that? See, the God of all grace, he's going to keep on pouring out his grace. He saved you. Now you're going to suffer, right? We are called to suffer. It's going to, it's going to be there. It's going to happen. We're going to get abused. We're going to get attacked. We're going to get challenged and questioned. And yet, his grace is continually pouring out to bring you to that place where you are continuing to walk with him and ultimately when we are with him and see him face to face. For now, we walk this walk by God's grace because it is sufficient for us to do it. We don't need something else. We don't need all the strength in the world. We don't need perfect eyesight. Right? Because we have God's grace. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. That's what the Apostle Paul was facing as he was continuing to reach out to those other believers in Corinth. He was trying to encourage them to remember it's God's grace. Go back to the truth. Don't listen to the false teachers. Rest in God and his grace the grace that he saved you with, that he continues to carry on. You can resist all of this through his grace. Not in your own willpower, not in your own strength, not, not in your own thinking, but because of God's grace in your life. The Holy Spirit is working in you to be able to keep on pressing on, no matter what comes. James actually mentions this in 4.6. He says, but he gives more grace He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And as we humble ourselves, we confess our sin, we continue to cry out to God, let him know that we are faulty. (laughs) We are messed up. And yet he wants to use us. And as we humble ourselves before him, he continues to pour out the grace you need to fulfill your mission that he's called you to. No matter what, remember our gracious God and focus on him, whatever comes your way. I think that's what Paul was actually wanting 
us all to see and hear from what he received from the Lord. The second, second truth to hold on to while serving the Lord is God's strength. Look at that verse 9 again. He, gave, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, my God's, Christ's strength is made perfect in weakness. Is made perfect in weakness. That made perfect is, we can see that as perfected. And actually, and actually, in some ways, you think about that Christ's power in you is actually shining forth and being on, it's being exhibited by you. It's being perfected. It's showing forth. It's not my power. Uh, I was thinking about those pilots. You know, a lot of times you see the movies and see interviews and talks and, and the egos of the guys that, I mean, they have to be pretty crazy people to fly those jets the way they do. So, I mean, you've got to have some kind of confidence in the training they go through and the rigorous thing. So, you know, you build up to where you like, you can be pretty cocky and probably most of them are very confident and sure of themselves. Well, see, that needs to be for that, and we appreciate them guarding the skies for us and fighting the battles. And yet, in God's work, in God's mission, it's the opposite. It's not me. It's not how good I am. It's not my power. It's not my strength. It's not what I can do for God. Here I am, God, use me. I'm so wonderful. It's the opposite. It's all about, I'm nothing, it's all about Christ's power. His power, his strength is made perfect in weakness. No matter what Paul's credentials were, and again, that's what he's mentioning here, right? I've got all these credentials, I did all this stuff, and yet it's Christ's power that is being demonstrated and exhibited here. It's his power that's going to win out over the false teachers and everything else that comes his way. It's not his own. It's not his own eloquence. It's not his own arguments. That's why he never argues with them at all. He just keeps going back to presenting the truth. It's all about Christ. It's not about answering the questions that they raise. It's about Christ, going back to the truth, going back to the facts. And it's his strength that's made perfect, that's perfected in our weakness. The strength of Christ is what we fulfill our mandate with, not our own. Some days we don't feel like getting up out of bed, right? (laughs) It's like everything hurts. And the fact is, through God's strength, you get up, you talk and share and talk to that person, you continue to spread the gospel. It's all through Christ's power, his strength in you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you doesn't matter how you're feeling at the time. We have Christ in us who powers us and strengthens us to go out and do the work he's called us to. It's his strength that's on display, not our own. Some of us, God has asked to get up in front of people and speak and talk and communicate. And sometimes that can be a real challenge because you always get, there's always people that kind of tear you to pieces and think you spoke a bunch of rubbish. Oh, that's British, isn't it? What is it here? Garbage? Rubbish, garbage, whatever. Um, My brain still thinks in British English most of the time yet. Um, 
But most people, there's some people that criticize you, but man, you get, I, I don't know about Pastor Harris and, you know, other pastors, but, you know, people, it feels kind of nice when people thank you and tell you how that was good and they talk to you about how wonderful you are. It's easy to get sidetracked and not turn that right, right back to, well, praise the Lord, it's all about Christ, and it's all about him working. And he's called me to do this, maybe different from some of you, but we all have the same Holy Spirit, and we all have the power of Christ to go out and spread the gospel and share the good news with every person that God wants us to, even if you're not getting up front, like some of us. And it's his strength on display that comes from, I'm reminded of, and we don't have a lot of time, but, and I'm not going to go there, but you know the, remember the, the whole illustration of the vine and the branches? Where does fruit actually come from? We're all, we're all looking for fruit and fruit, the, the greatest fruit outside of our own lives and God's working in us is to see other people come to Christ and more disciples being made. But how's that happen? It's not because I'm so wonderful, and it's not because I'm the power behind it. It's about Christ, right? I'm just the branch. I'm, you know, the grapes hang on that branch off the vine. The vine is where the power and the strength's coming from. I'm just where the grapes are hanging. I'm just that connection between the vine and those grapes, you know, transferring the the power and the energy and God's grace, sharing that with others. That's who I am. I'm not the power. Christ is. He's the one that saves people. And we need to remember that, especially when we're being hammered and attacked like Paul was. And it's going to come. I mean, we just heard about next month, which I didn't know about. Um, It's going to come. What are you going to do? Are you going to face next month in the power of Christ, or are you going to try to do it yourself? I'd recommend you go back to this simple, even if you just memorized the first line of verse 9. His grace is sufficient for you to face the rest of the week and the month ahead, and it's Christ's power in you that allows you to continue to share the truth in the gospel. My brother in James 1, 2-4 says, My brother encountered all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. It's not you doing it yourself. It's Christ in you. It's his power that's being perfected and demonstrated. Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, character hope, Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. We can continue to rely on and depend on the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ in us, to fulfill our mission that he's called us to. Paul wasn't specific about his thorn in the flesh, and real quickly, somebody wrote to you last week and said the service was over early. Not this week. Paul wasn't specific about the, his thorn in the flesh at all. And what, what, to me, that allows us to work out our own personal situations. So 
we don't have to just think about Paul in this text, right? We can think, okay, how do I connect to Paul? And he gives us a little list in verse 10 there. We're not going to spend a lot of time. But just to go blitz through the list. He says there, he says, that therefore most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities. So his boasting is not in all of that his abilities, but his infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. All sorts of physical stuff. Uh, I... People have asked me about my eyes. Well, I, for, for a minute, for a moment there, I was wondering, okay, Lord, your grace is sufficient and the power's in Christ. And if I'm blind and I'll keep serving you somehow, I don't know how, what that's going to look like or how that's going to work out. Now, praise the Lord, his grace allowed the doctors to fix my eyes so I can still see you all. Um, so I can keep on going. They're a little more wonky than they were before, but I still have those. So all kinds of physical stuff, right, that can limit us, that can stop us from doing the task that he's given to us if we forget it's about him and not us. In reproaches, he says, insults from other people. Paul knew all about that. I'm sure most of you know what that's like, too, as a follower of Christ. I mean, if you're a follower of Christ and you have not been insulted, then you should, maybe you want to talk to one of us because maybe you're not letting people know that you're a follower of Christ because you're going to be insulted because they're going to hate you because of what you believe. In needs, we got economic struggles. Anybody face economic problems and struggles? Needs? The Apostle Paul knew what that was like. We know what that's like. It can hold us back from doing what God wants us to do. In persecutions, being in harm's way, being really attacked aggressively. Some of us face that. Sometimes we don't face a lot. We just get ridiculed. But there are times when we can be really attacked. And then in distresses, the whole emotional turmoil that we go through as we're serving God, following Christ. We need to remember, and Paul reminds us, that his grace is sufficient no matter what comes flying at you. And we can continue to do the work that he's called us to, which is share the good news of the gospel with everyone that we come in contact with. Whatever your personal situation, whatever your, your thorn in the flesh is, you know, whatever that may be for you, it could be any in that whole list that Paul gave us there. There's so many different possibilities that can be making you struggle, causing you to suffer, causing you damage. Remember, there's no better place than to be serving the Lord, spreading the gospel to everyone you connect with, and his grace is sufficient, and the power of Christ is being perfected in you and working in you to get that done till we see him face to face. Just be encouraged to keep going about what God's called you to do. And let's keep holding each other up in prayer and continuing to go in strength and see more disciples being made for Christ and more disciples continue growing into being disciple makers as well. Let's bow forward of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your truth. We thank you that you have given us your word and that we're not only saved by grace, but we're kept by your grace. And it's sufficient Help us to not forget that. We don't need to look for anything else. We don't need to look other places. 
for our well-being apart from you and let you guide us and let you direct us and let us rest in you. And then the power of Christ that we do our task, spread the good news of the gospel for you in his power, not coming up with our own, not not trying to devise our own ways and strategies of coming up with strength to be able to do the job, but really depending on the power of Christ in us. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.